Hi everyone and a very warm welcome to the Dr. Christian Heim podcast. We're really happy that you could join us. My name is Caroline Heim and I'm sitting here with Dr. Christian Heim. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about contemporary living and using rhythm and routine to beat anxiety. This is actually part of a three-part series on anxiety and this is part two. So Christian, rhythm and beats, what are we looking at today? Okay, we're going to be using rhythm and beats to help control anxiety. Because we're talking rhythm and beats, I get to be a little bit more musical in this one. But before we get there, I'll be talking about how contemporary life actually contributes to anxiety. We all need rhythm and beats to keep the music together. So we also need routines and structures to hold our lives together. So choose your favorite rhythm and beat music, put it on in the background while you're listening. Okay, so how does contemporary living actually contribute to anxiety? Well, to answer that question, I'm going to take us back to a time when you couldn't put on your favorite beat music and you couldn't put it on in the background because what I want to contrast here is a big modern city with a medieval town. Right. Well, that's quite a big contrast. It's a big contrast because let's take the medieval town. You're living somewhere in the countryside of England in the 14th century. There's not much technology. You're working just to get your food and shelter needs met. Big career pathways aren't open to you. And you're kind of born into the rural lifestyle. Simple life. It's a very simple life. In fact, by our standards, it's not very exciting. It's very routine. It's very predictable. In many ways, it's harsher and harder. But you knew the people around you. They knew you. You spent your life mainly surrounded by people who cared for you. Help and companionship in a medieval English town were always just down the road. And people that cared. People that cared. So let's fast forward to a modern city. More exciting, more possibilities, much more technology. You can put your favourite beat music on in the background. Many more entertainment possibilities, more ways to have fun. Success is more important. Career opportunities are open to all of us. But many people feel alone. They don't even know their neighbours. There's so much change and so much mobility that we spend our lives trying to catch up with people that we care about. And we put more effort into being successful, whatever that means to you. Well, we're closer, but we're also far away. We're closer in that we can communicate each with each other. A yes, lot we more, can. But far away in distance quite often in different towns, living in different towns. That's right, because in a medieval town, we were basically socially connected. We knew our place in society. In contemporary life, we're socially disconnected and many of us are questioning our place in society. In fact, the big studies that I talked about last podcast said that one of the biggest reasons we're all so anxious is because of social disconnect, because our families become divided, because our communities are less stable, and also because we have less of that feeling of safety because we're surrounded by strangers. Whereas in medieval towns, we were just surrounded by family and friends. And this changes our brains. How does it change our brains? Well, we live in a society with much more excitement, but much more anxiety. It's like we all have louder monkeys with us. 
right. monkeys from the last podcast where we talked monkeys about from the being last the podcast. anxiety sidekick for you. That's right, being the anxiety sidekick, being your amygdala, part of the brain that looks out for threats. And in the last 70 years in particular, the rate of change in our society has increased significantly. It's like there are new types of anxiety, social pressure, uncertainty, change, instability, movement, deadlines, KPIs, financial pressure, family pressure, busyness, fear of missing out. That's also an anxiety. Then we've got status anxiety, choice anxiety, social anxiety, performance anxiety, sexual anxiety, academic anxiety, stage fright. Stranger anxiety, cultural anxiety, economic anxiety, examination anxiety, commitment phobia, there's another anxiety, fear of failure, fear of being judged, and all of these contribute to anxiety. I'm getting anxious about being caught up in any of these anxieties. That's the thing. There's so many of them. There are. There are actually more. Then there's the added pressure of the internet and social media. Don't get me wrong. The internet is wonderful. It has opened up so many more excitement possibilities for us, but it's also opened up more anxiety possibilities for us. It's fed our monkeys. For example, a lot of people now have this pressure to succeed, to be rich and famous at age 25 because Mark Zuckerberg was. Or there were several young women, singers, actors, people just going to parties and having a great time. And on social media, we compare ourselves with the best that the world has to offer. So many of us have become really quite obsessed with doing better, being more known, getting more success, and this becomes a pressure in itself. So it actually starts to drive us over the edge. So are all these anxieties new? Well, look at it compared to the medieval village, all right? There are just more reasons to be anxious. Remember, anxiety is normal. It's normal to be anxious, but it's also normal for humans to be able to be resilient and cope. In contemporary society, there is so much that it often becomes too much. And when it's too much, your monkey moves from being a helpful pressure to being a clinical anxiety disorder, from being excited and helpful to being a nuisance. Because all of our social disconnect means that we have less love around us. And love is life-affirming. The more you're around people who love you, other people, the less fearful you are. So in a sense, love is the opposite of anxiety and fear. So in some of your first podcasts, you mentioned that love helps us battling depression. Yeah. Do we need more love in our lives to battle anxiety also? Yes, we do. We can always do with more love. And this is something that I'll say a lot. Because you see, we live in a society which is strongly encouraging us to put our activities, what we do, and our productivity before people. So each of us are living with less love in our lives and more pressure to succeed. This means more anxiety. So we feel less worthy if we don't succeed, if we don't have as many followers on social media, for example, or if we're not making as much money. I have such a problem with that because I always put blinders on and I don't, I'm going for the purpose, you know? Well, that's exactly what's happening to all of us. We all are putting our productivity before people when we need to put people before productivity. I'll say this a lot because it keeps love flowing in our lives. Have time for the important people in your life. Visit your folks, spend time with friends, socialize with colleagues, get on with strangers. 
And sometimes you've got to turn off the screens to do this, to talk to your roommates, to talk to your colleagues. People in the flesh are much more fun than virtual beings. Okay, just like real flowers smell better, they look better, and they feel better than artificial flowers. So remember your siblings, remember your uncles and aunts, your friends and your grandparents. Remember people. But it's okay to want to succeed, isn't it? Well, of course it is. There is nothing wrong with wanting to succeed. Just don't give up people to do it. Don't give up love to do it. There are so many pressures to succeed, and these pressures to succeed become anxiety, which can drive us over the edge. Uh, but I thought that anxiety can be a, a helpful pressure to help you do better. Yes, that's right. That's what we talked about last podcast, but it can get too much. So your helpful pressure monkey becomes the annoying nuisance, and this is what leads to clinical anxiety when you go over the edge. For those of you who are interested, this is described in the Yerkes-Dodson curve. The what? The Yerkes-Dodson curve, 1908. It's on the internet. Okay, so what is the Yerkes-Dodson curve? The Yerkes-Dodson curve. All right, it's a curve on a graph, simply as that. But what it shows is this. The more helpful pressure there is, the better you will do. It's like feeling anxious and then going think and prepare for an exam. So you actually do better at the exam. But here's the thing. When the pressure becomes too much, when the anxiety becomes too much, you'll quickly fail. Okay, so I know a lot of people who study for exams, they prepare well, they do really well in the practice tests, but then they wake up in the morning of the final exam and it's all too much. They think they can't cope. So they stay in bed and they don't go. And of course, they fail the exam. Now that's really weird, but that's what happens. And that's described in the Yerk Dodson's curve. That's the same as when you've prepared an assignment and then you don't even hand it in, is that's that? Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's that paralysis. That yeah. Happens. And you yeah. could even have put together a good assignment, yeah. but the anxiety gets so much that you just can't put it in because you don't want to be judged or whatever it happens to be. So the yerk dodson curve shows that you will do better. Uh, let's say you love playing hockey and you're coming back from a knee injury and you want to do really well, all right? And that's fine because you love playing. You've got some relatives from out of town who are going to watch you for the first time. Uh, that's putting up the pressure. That's all right. You're still determined to do well. Then your coach tells you that there's a talent scout out there for the moment and they're going to be watching you. Ooh, now the pressure's really mounting. That's fine. You say you're still going to go out there and give it your best shot. Then your dad tells you that he's betting $1,000. And guess what? It gets all too much for you. And you find that you just can't take the field. That is the Yerkes-Dodson curve. When the anxiety gets too much, you go over the edge and you do really badly. But if there's just enough helpful pressure and stress, you will do well. The thing is that we live in a world of helpful pressure, deadlines, KPIs, goals and targets, and it pushes you up the Yerkes-Dodson curve. But when it gets too much, you get closer and closer to the edge where you just can't do it anymore. 
So that's like with way too much pressure. That's way too much pressure. That's yeah. right. Okay. So what's the answer to stop going over the edge of the yerkes dodson curve? All right. Firstly, again, you've got to know yourself. You've got to know what anxiety that you can cope with. And the answer is think and prepare. Train your monkey anxiety. Think a lot and think about how to plan and how to prepare. Prepare for the exam, prepare for the interview, prepare for the big game, prepare for the date. But you will need to know when it gets too much for you. Now, you need to be brave and have courage and being resilient and coping with it all is normal. But we all have a point. We all need to know when to protect ourselves. So it's exciting to be close to that point. That's actually why we like going on roller coasters. That's why we like being close to big planes taking off on the tarmac. It's like watching an excellent gymnast. She's on this thin bar and she's doing flips and jumps and all sorts of things that are pushing her close to the edge. She may fall, but the excellence is when she doesn't. It's that sense of danger that makes mountain climbing and skydiving exciting. But not if it's too much. Not where that point is too much for you. That's when you've got to take care of yourself. Okay, yeah. So it is about taking care of yourself and yeah. noticing that point. Yes, it is. Okay. You've got to know that point in you. So how can we take care of ourselves in this contemporary world? All right, this is where I get to be a bit more musical. I get to talk about rhythms and routines. So just stay with me a little bit. This will take a little bit of explaining, but it'll be fun, okay? Music would actually fall apart if you took away the rhythm and if you took away the structure. Rhythm and structure keep music together and give it shape. Our lives can also fall apart without rhythm and routine to give our lives shape. What do you mean? All right. So if you imagine your favorite song, imagine if the melody didn't have a rhythm. Uh, it had the right notes, but it was going there at strange times and it wasn't quite predictable. It would actually not sound good at all. All right. And also think of your favorite song. It works if it has a chorus that keeps returning. It's catchy, but you need some other sections for variety, the verses and a bridge section, and that's how a song is put together. If it doesn't have that diversity and something holding it together, if it doesn't have that structure, we actually wouldn't enjoy music as much. Now, let me apply that to life. When you were young, your mother gave your life a routine, and this is like rhythm and structure in music. Your daily routine would have included bedtime, a time to get out of bed, breakfast time, lunch time, dinner time, bath time, and later on, time for school, time to do homework, and then play time. Then there was a weekly rhythm, what you did from Monday to Friday, normally go to school. Then you had your weekend activities. You may have visited grandparents or have gone for a walk or something like that. Then later on, we get term and semester routines, which usually have some holidays just before the end and some, uh, sorry, some exams just before the end of term and some holidays to recuperate from that. And then we do it again next term or next semester. And then we actually have yearly routines. We have 
festive holidays. Maybe we have a family vacation. The thing is that these are rhythms. These are routines that give our life structure, just like rhythm and structure keep music together. Now, here's the other thing. These structures, these routines, decrease anxiety. Okay, so it's sort of a, a rhythm in your life. And that's actually really calming to have some sort of a rhythm, isn't it? It is. It's very calming. Because that's why we go to music, after all. That's right. Because to get music that calms. Yeah. Music mm -hmm. can calm us. That's right. And these rhythms are the opposite of change and uncertainty. These rhythms give your life stability and certainty. Mm. Okay, yeah. Okay, so if you have too much change and uncertainty in your life, your amygdala monkey gets jumpy. It gets alarmed. Whereas if you have stability and certainty through these rhythms and routines, your amygdala monkey settles down. It chills. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's look at the routines in your life, all right? Because what I see is a lot of people kind of um, fall down when they leave home because the routines get taken away. And so there's a lot of people that come to have what's called feral student syndrome. Whoa. <laughs> okay, so feral student syndrome is, well, you do what you like, you go out to parties and you forget about eating at the right times and sleeping at the right times and you lose the routine, the structure of your life. In fact, I remember that your routine was getting to bed after one o'clock at night. And, and waking not... up at one o'clock in the afternoon. That's right. That's right. Well, that's okay. pretty normal for that's... the age that I was. Right, and <laughs> even though that that was late, that's actually still not feral because you still have a routine. You were still eating at a certain time, you were sleeping at a certain time, and you had that daily routine. What I want people who are listening to this to do, to look at their daily routine. Do you have a rhythm? Do you have a structure? When you sleep, when you eat, when you shower, when you work or study, and when you have free time? Do you have a weekly routine? your Monday to Friday study or work, your weekend routine, time for friends and for family. And look at your semester and yearly routine, your holidays and your festive days. All right, so one thing that I want everybody to do is to find something to do just for yourself, something to put in your weekly routine that I call your serenity, something that's fun and relaxing. Because your monkey needs to have fun and it needs to play. That's the way you feed it. <laughs> That's what you feed it. You feed it good stuff, yes. Okay. And it needs to have fun and play in nature, not in front of a screen. Yeah. Well, I guess that does something to your brain if it's in front of a screen. It's yes, no it good. does. Yes, mm -hmm. it does. I will talk about that another time, okay? But at the moment, I just want you to find nature. So serenity means playing. Being in nature, because we have plenty of evidence that being near something green is good for you. And playtime is a time when you don't have to make decisions. It's like being a child. It feels good. For example, I like going for a walk at least once a week on a lonely beach for hours and hours. Find your serenity. So routines and serenity. That's all I need to do to beat anxiety? They're going to help a lot, rhythms and serenity. But I want to give you more. 
I want you to look for two special times to put in your daily routine. Okay, what special times? Okay, first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And that time between going to work or your study and coming home and starting your evening routines. At these times, I'm going to give you things to do when you can beat anxiety. So B-E-A-T becomes an acronym. The B stands for breathe. E stands for exercise, the A stands for awareness, and the T stands for time. Okay, well, can you explain those? Yes, I'll go through them <laughs> one by one. Now, you don't have to do these all at the same time, but if you can do some of these first thing in the morning or between your study or work time and coming home, you'll find that you'll be increasing the amount of calm and serenity in your life, and you will be beating anxiety. Okay, so beat. Let's start off with the B. The B is for breathe. This is where you learn to meditate, which is fast becoming a mainstream technique in all of psychiatry and psychology. Or you relax. You go through your body and relax all of your muscles. Or you just breathe in fresh air, and breathe out your anxiety. And one way of doing it is to breathe in for three, hold for three, breathe out for four, and hold for four. Then you're relaxing, you're deep breathing, and you're on your way to meditating. Just sit there and breathe. If you can do that for five minutes, twice a day, then you're doing a lot to beat anxiety in your life. Does that help also when you have an anxious episode? Okay, it does. It helps a lot. In fact, if you get that rhythm into you by doing that twice a day, when you get anxious, you'll know what to do straight away. In fact, you'll notice that we're already speaking in a lot more of a relaxed way. We are. We're speaking very calmly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just because we took a little bit of time to breathe, yeah. right? So I'll do that one more time because it felt good. We breathe in for three. We hold for three. We breathe out for a count of four. And we hold for a count of four. And if you do that for five minutes, you'll find yourself feeling a lot more relaxed and less anxious. All right, I was going to go on to the E. Yes. And E, in a sense, is the opposite of breathing. It is exercise. Exercise is so good for anxiety, just as it was good for depression. Exercise gives you time out, time out to relax, time out to decrease stress, time out to clear the mind. It's a good distraction. And when you get involved in exercise, you'll find that you'll be around people more. You can actually socialize more, particularly if you exercise with the sport. Especially in a group like Zumba. Like Zumba, which is what you love doing. Love it. That's great. Okay, so we've gone through B and the E in beat. We're going to go through A. A is for awareness. Awareness is being outside yourself and saying, what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling right now? When you can answer that question, you're being aware of what's going on in your mind right now. Ask yourself, am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? 
Now, I chose those four things because they're four things that can make all of us grumpy. We can just be grumpy if we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And if you can do something about that, you'll straight away become less anxious. Yes. I always knew when my children were hungry because they get grumpy. They get grumpy. <laughs> that's right. Then you can ask yourself, what am I actually anxious about right now? What can I do to think and prepare right now? And when you ask yourself that question, you'll actually feel your anxiety levels coming down. And the T? And the T. The T for beat is time. Take time. Plan time. Slow down. When you take time, you give yourself more time to breathe, more time to be aware, and more time just to enjoy life on a second-to-second basis. So to beat anxiety, find two times in your day, first thing in the morning or just before your evening routine when you've finished work or study. If you can start off even just for five minutes at one of these times, you will already be decreasing anxiety in your life. You will be able to beat anxiety because contemporary life the change of the uncertainty, it leads to more excitement, but more anxiety. We live a life that's more exciting and has more change and more possibilities than a medieval town, but also more anxiety. We need more love. Put people before productivity. Find your routines and your rhythms in each day, in each week, in each semester and in each year. And if you can, find two times a day to beat anxiety. B for breathe, E for exercise, A to be aware, and T to take time. And look, just talking about it has made me more relaxed. Me too. Okay, that's for today. Thanks so much for joining us. It was great to have you with us. Next podcast, we'll be looking at how to find your self-worth in who you are not in what you do. See you then.